Welcome back, everybody. Uh, podcast number 40. Man, we're over the hill with it, officially. Um, this week, we're going to... Uh, uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna go back um, to some questions. Um, I've become a little bit flooded with questions. Um, if you listen to a, one of our last podcasts, we talked about um, Hodeg Licking Stick, which is another brand of ours. Um, this time of year, that becomes a very busy part of our life. Um, so <clears throat> I I struggle balancing dog bone and and Hodeg stuff, um, but I do my best. So if you have been sending us questions, they're greatly appreciated. Um, please be patient with me. I will be getting back. I usually don't fall more than a week or so behind on some of the replies, but um, I I thought that there were some good ones, and I've kind of grouped a couple into uh, categories, and we're going to talk about a few of those questions. We're going to use those questions as our roadmap here um, for this podcast, episode number 40. So we're going to get right into it. Um, these uh, this, this is a question that, or these questions, and I don't know how... Part of it, I think we'll cover a few questions during it because um, they're probably not 20 minutes worth of answer or 30 minutes worth of answer. But we might, so we might cover a few, but we'll kind of, we'll see how it goes. Um, this is one that, uh, it's heel work. Um, so it, it's a common theme. Um, I'm going to talk about it too because it is something that I just, I've, you've heard me say it before, I put so much value on uh, the idea of having good, solid heel work with your dogs. Heel work meaning uh, them understanding heel position, which to me is on my left-hand side, um, and I want their shoulder uh, about equal with my knee, maybe their shoulder to their ear, somewhere uh, in line with my knee, my left knee. So it's just, it's knowing, it's always knowing where my dog is. And this last weekend, um, heel work, was real valuable to me in the field. So it, it, it brings a lot of value in lots of different ways. This weekend I was um, hunting, uh, we were bird hunting up north. Um, I worked three dogs at a time. I worked my personal three dogs at a time. And I didn't work run all three of them necessarily together all the time. So when, when one wasn't, I, I'd work one at a time or two at a time out casting. Uh, it's hard for me to keep tabs of all three of them. Um, we're going to talk about that in another podcast, but um, when when I have them out, I had one or two out in front working, quartering and casting, and I had the third on heel in heel position, off lead. No, I don't use a lead when I'm in the woods. Um, it's not practical. It's not functional for me. Um, but off lead heel work became very valuable in that scenario. I always knew where that dog was, um, and it be, and it was very easy for my dogs, even in the huge amounts of distraction and excitement. I always had a dog on heel. Um, I ended up shooting a grouse, um, a partridge is what we like to call them, but I shot one um, and the dogs did not mark it down that flushed it. They were down and they were flushing. It was like a family group, so they were flushing. There was four or five of them that got up. Um, these dogs continued to flush. I had one shot, I killed the bird, knocked it down and, and I saw that it went down. The dog that was on heel with me was spry and I actually lined her and sent her for that retrieve and she made the retrieve and had it delivered to me while the other two dogs were still flushing birds. Um, so that was a real practical um, situation that I used that skill in the field. Now I think it's also a hot topic for me right now because we're working Bella and we have the series Bella Be Good 
And just so you're aware, you know, I don't know when this will post or when we'll have this podcast live, but um, to give you an idea, what is today? About the 18th? Something like that? It's September 18th. September 18th. Um, we try to get these out relatively timely. We don't, we don't record a bunch of these and save them. We try to record them and get them out within a week. Um, so it's the 18th right now. Bella is roughly going on six, gonna, she's about five and a half months old right now. Um, I think April would have been four. She, April would be the fourth month, right? She was born on April 6th, I believe. So that's f- how many months ago, Ben? Do the math. Five, five months would have been nine. Five and a half. Five six. Months. So she's five and a half months. So um, we did not hunt her, just so you're aware. We didn't have her hunting. But uh, we, are, we are using her. Uh, we're doing a ton of videos with her on training. And, and one of the biggest things we've been pushing is heel work. Um, we've got her healing a little bit off lead right now. Today we did it with her off lead with distractions, had other dogs with. Um, that series is just up to like episode number six right now. As of today, number six will go live. Um, but that, that series is several weeks behind. Uh, so just to give you an idea, you know, we're going to talk about Bella stuff in podcasts probably before you see it because it is delayed a little bit with us posting them live to our YouTube page. But anyway... Heel work is a huge part of Bella right now. Uh, I imprint heel work. Uh, I just put a ton of time into it, a lot of effort into it. So this is these these questions. A couple of these questions are are heel related, um, and I want to touch on them because I do think it's so important. I think um, <clears throat> this is a generalization, but I think uh, there's another video that was sent to me that I need to respond to the guy because he sent me quite a few videos. And my takeaway from his videos, he's got different issues, but my takeaway with it is I think he's about maybe 60%, if you want to put numbers on it, I think he's 60% done with certain skills and moving on to the next. And then he gets 60% completed with it and goes on to the next. And he's five, six, seven, ten steps deep into trying to handle his dog. And I think it's because he's been following our Cody Go Back series. Um, but he's 10 steps down the road and he doesn't have step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine complete and he's trying to do step 10 and that's what his problem is and so heel work is one that everything is built off of heel i believe i think sit to the whistle you can't do it without good heel um memory work you can't do without good heel name any skill and if you don't have a dog that heals very well which means a hundred percent which means you don't have to worry about that during the training because if you're going to try to learn to teach if you're you're going to try to teach the dog something new you can't be worried about stuff that they should already know because in that lesson or session because it takes away from the objective that you are trying to teach new so it has to be 100 percent. and i think what problem what problem i'm seeing very very regularly and i run into it myself is we want to get somewhere. We think they do well with it one day and we think, well, let's just, let's move on. And the reality of it is, is they don't have it as well as they need to have it. And you have 60% results and you're going to get 60% success. And it's half-assed, but just putting it really bluntly, you're doing it half-assed and you can't. And, you, and, it, and so now I'm not saying that this is, that's exactly what's going on in these, but I'm going to, that's kind of a lead into this heel work question. So, um, this guy's name is Brett. I sent him a message because 
he had messaged me a while ago, a couple weeks ago, August 27th, so three weeks ago. So I apologize for not getting back sooner. Um, but he had, I messaged him this morning and said, hey, do you listen to the podcast? Um, I'm going to do one. I'm going to talk about this and include this question in it if you're good with that. He said, yeah, he listens to every episode. So um, this is good. And, and it'll be interesting because it was four weeks, three weeks ago now, and he does have an update for me. But let me read the original question. Hey, Jeremy, I've got a 14-week-old lab pup that I work with every night. Does pretty well with sit, and he mostly house broke with a few accidents here and there that are my own fault. I work a few retrieves in most evenings, and he does really well. And I try to give him one or two that I make him wait a few seconds before I send him to get the bumper. He seems to be doing well with that and having some high interest in retrieving. My problem is him on the, in the lead. When I try to do lead work, all he wants to do is bite the lead. I use a bumper to kind of get him interested in that instead of the lead, and he does well. I tried tie-outs, but he sits quiet and calm on the tie-out. I'm wondering if it is something I'm doing, possibly doing... I wonder if it's something I'm doing possibly that he thinks he should be trying to play with it while we are working. Now, I don't recommend the old trickery of hold on to a dummy, and so he focuses on that instead of heel work. He should be concentrating on heel work. So I always tell people, get rid of the dummies. Don't carry them in your hands. Um, that's a little Band-Aid that you're using that's just covering up the problem. Um, so I don't, I don't recommend that. Um, so I'm going to read you my... I'm going to or I'm going to give you my take on this and then he did respond back with an update and I haven't really read it yet so we'll read it together but so this is what I recommend 14 week old puppy it's perfect it, you can go back and look at Bella um because when we started the Bella be good series that's about her age um and we had not started heel work till that point now what I think you have to do is it sounds like he wants to play it on play with the lead bite at it nip at it um, so it's two things. It's a mechanical fix. Mechanically, you keep that lead out of the way that he can get a hold of it. So it's I'm using slips. I don't know what you're using for a setup. If you're using a flat collar, I, I don't recommend it. I think you got to have a little slip on a puppy that age. Um, 15, 14, 15, 16 week old can take a little bit of that pressure to the neck. You've said that you've tied the puppy out. So the puppy has learned this understanding of giving the pressure to the neck. So that's step one, and you've done that. And you said he's quiet and patient on it, so that's perfect. So it's a great time to go to the lead. Now, when the puppy gets out of position, that's when you put a correction on. Now, if you're using a slip correctly, we use the adjustable leader. That's the design that I came out with. Um, it's a broken down slip lead. It's just two pieces. It's sized so that it's appropriate um, to be able to put on most dogs. You have a small and a large. It works really well. It allows us... Um, a tool, uh, the tab, the, the overhanging um, leftover from the collar with the adjustable um, tab on it allows me to kind of size it properly. And we're not even going to use it off lead yet with this little puppy. So you're going to have it clipped to your, your leash, the leash part. So, but when you pull on it and give a correction, it should turn pressure on and off very quickly. Um, that's the value of it is I actually think you can use less pressure with that than you do a flat collar because you can turn the pressure on and turn the pressure off and it's more effective. It's not as dull. It's not as numbing. It's not as constant. Um, but so the biggest thing is put, keep the lead out of the dog's mouth area. 
So I think it should be, my dog's heel on the left-hand side, so I think the lead should be on the right shoulder of the dog. That's where the, that's where the connection is with my adjustable leader with the lead and the collar. It hangs over the right shoulder. And if the dog wants to, if it's bothered by that, it's gonna reach, have to reach way around to its right shoulder to try to get a hold of it. If it's hanging down in front of the dog's mouth, it's easy for him to get a hold of. So the first thing is, is mechanically, physically, put the lead out of the dog's face so it can't get at it. It's no different than holding puppies when they're little. Don't hold them up by your face and expect them not to chew on your ear, your hair, the brim of your hat, all that stuff. If you want a puppy to be calm in your arms and not fuss, don't hold it where it can get at stuff. If you want a dog to not chew on your shoes, teach the dog to go on place. If you teach the dog to go on place, the dog can't get at your shoes or pick your shoes up and the dog can't get at your shoes. So all that stuff is just simple things that set the dog up for success. With In this scenario, set the dog up for success by keeping the lead and the collar out of the way that the dog could get a hold of it. So get it in position correctly. The next thing is, is when the dog wants to fuss and go after the lead or collar, it'd be no different than the dog going after a piece of gravel or grass or your feet or your legs or whatever. That's why you have that lead in position and your hands are in position so that that timing can be there to put a correction on. So when the dog goes to reach for whatever it is, you go on and off, zero to 10. And I always say zero to 10. 10 means you get a change. Doesn't necessarily measure the amount of pressure. It just means it's enough to change the behavior of the dog. So put a quick correction on the dog. The dog responds and then you turn the pressure off instantly, on and off. I mean, and it's gotta be on off, like right now. So you're going to, when the dog starts to go to fuss, like. I can see this, I'm painting this picture in my head and this puppy's just reaching its head back, it's probably tipping over, it's, it's trying to get a hold of this thing and wanna play with it. So put a correction on the dog, serious enough to that the dog understands, don't do that. And, and really all it takes is, the very simple answer is take control of the situation. Be the leader. So you have to be firm, you don't have to be a jerk but you have to be firm. And then when you do it and the dog responds and looks at you and goes, oh, I'm sorry, then be there to reward the dog with a verbal and say, good. That's what, and it doesn't have to be a ton. It doesn't have to be, oh, you're so good. It just has to be good. Let the dog know it did the right thing. You're not biting on the collar, good dog. You wanna bite on the collar, correct it. Ah, ah, ah. And then the dog's gonna make a change. So setting them up just probably by the way the dog is wearing the lead and, and collar is probably how you're going to fix this. Um, it's not gonna be, uh, let's get its attention over here on a bumper in my hand. Because then what? Then how is the dog, how do you expect the dog to understand and, and pay attention to the idea of, you remember what, you gotta remember what your objective is in this lesson. Your objective is to teach this dog to heal on lead, not f distract them from biting the lead by sh teasing them with a bumper. So, uh, so that is my answer to that. Now, you responded here and said, yep, I listen to every podcast. We have worked on this a lot the last four weeks and he's improved greatly. He still likes to try and play with the lead for a few seconds until we get into, the he until we get into heel and sometimes sporadically here and there, he will try in, in the middle of the session, but it's easily corrected and we get focused back on heel work. Bingo, you did it. Also, while on the subject, when we do heel work, I'm trying to get him to sit to the whistle. 
when I stop. He does pretty good, but it seems like he sort of checks out, and I don't know if he's really retaining anything because it's been really slow going the last few weeks, and I still have to help him with a little pressure on the lead to sit when I stop, and I don't want to bore the heck out of him. How do I keep him engaged but also continue to grow and progress on this slower-going basic obedience? Like you say in your puppy video, it's easy to get him ramped up and get him boiling with excitement, so I try to keep it pretty low-key always, but but sometimes I think he gets super bored. So what I love about this is is you've made a, you've found a fix, Brett, for the you've corrected and you're getting results when the dog goes to fuss with the lead. Now the big question is going to be, you know, I would be building it. So you're building in a sit to the whistle. No problem. It's good, good, good. We're doing it with Bella. Um, prior to doing that, so you should sit to the whistle. You're, good, you're correcting when the dog hangs up. That's what you need to do. Uh, you're going to stop, sit. And before you ever bring in the whistle, you're just going to stop and sit, stop and sit, stop and sit. And it's going to be verbal command. It's going to be a little bit of lift little bit of pressure to the neck if need be till the dog gets in this habit and understands the game. The game is walk, stop, sit. Good. Walk, stop, sit. Good. Walk, stop, sit. Good. Literally at a pace like that where it turns into a game of how quickly can I sit when we stop? And you are going to be just there to praise him. Now you don't have to get so excited like you say in the end here to boil him over, but no different than anytime else when they do something right, you better let them know it was right. So a verbal good is usually enough. Now, before you bring in a whistle, they better be doing it habitually when you stop. So walk up, stop, sit. Walk up, stop, sit. Walk up, stop, sit. Walk up, stop, sit. Every day, twice a day, three times a day, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you get to the habit where you stop and the dog sits. Gets in the habit of sitting. Now you can incorporate a whistle. So bring the whistle into it. Sit, stop, sit, stop, sit, stop. So... Bring the whistle into it at that point. Don't be in a rush. Now, when you when you peep that whistle, if you get to the point where you're peeping the whistle and the dog doesn't sit, when you stop, well, the dog doesn't, it's the whistle is not magic. The whistle is simply plugged in to a habit that's already been formed through your help with correcting with the pressure to the neck and the verbal command to sit. If your dog knows how to sit, you can't do this if your dog doesn't know how to sit to begin with. So I'm assuming you have the dog understanding what the command sit means. Then you're incorporating it into a, a routine of heel and sit. And then you're going to get a routine of habit where it becomes stop, sit. And then you can break it, bring in this whistle. Now, the idea that I'm reading out of this is I think your sessions might be going too long based on what you're telling me. Sounds like twice you mentioned the idea of the dog is getting bored. Well, you need to recognize you only have so long of a window to work with this dog and have it actually be productive because you're going to, if you get to the point where the dog is bored, he's, you're right, he's not going to learn anything. So you have to keep it short and sweet. I would rather have three sessions, five minutes long a day that are successful than one minute, 15, one session, 15 minutes long, and you get good results for the first five minutes and the last 10 is a drag. It's just boring because what the problem with that session is, is the first five minutes are probably neutralized or wiped out by the last 10 minutes that the boring set in. So that's gauging your dog's ability to focus and stay paying attention and, and take progress in the right direction. I'd rather be a little bit short of a lesson time-wise and have them doing really well when we stop than go just a little bit too long and have them 
bogged down at the end because I go, damn it, I just wasted my session. Um, you're so shorten things up, um, and you build your sessions that way. So if it, I, I look at it and I go, how is your heel work? If your heel work is pretty good, I'd have your heel work, heel work really good before I start going too far ahead. It's the same problem that this guy's got that's trying to get his dog to stop to the whistle. He's 60% through stuff and moving on to the next thing. Until you get it 100%, don't expect that. You got to remember, everything is built off of the last lesson. So all of these, use the analogy of the chain. You've got a chain. A chain is made up of lots of links. The chain does you no good if you're missing links throughout the chain. You just have a couple links connected together. You can't use it as a chain unless they're all connected together. So if, if you don't have it perfect, don't be in such a rush to move on. Um, and I think just think that's a, a, a real general statement that can be used in a lot of things. Okay, so there, there is the answers to a couple of Brett's things. Now I'm going to skip forward here. I'm actually skipping back to older questions. Um, I'm going to jump into another heel work one. Uh, I have a question for you that I'd appreciate your, now this is a guy that sent me several video, several questions. Um, we've responded back and forth, um, on a few different things. So let's see. I mean, this is back all the way to live with spry stuff in 2018. So here's a recent question from him that came in 2019. I have a question for you that I'd appreciate your input. Uh, if you don't mind. My one-year-old, one-year, three-month-old lab, Luna, she's very well-mannered, knows her commands, but when we go out on walks off-leash on country roads, if she picks up the scent, she won't get off of it and will not listen when commanded to stop. She chased the deer straight across a huge farm field, across the road and into the woods, then finally came back today. So I don't know if this was like gone for days. Do I need to keep her on heel at all times? I feel like she won't get enough exercise because she loves to run around. So this isn't necessarily a heel-specific question, um, but it's connected to it. So I thought I'd lump it into this podcast. So my answer to this is, do you need to keep her on heel at all times? Yes and no. You need to have the ability to keep her on heel at all times. And so this is more control in general. Heel work the beauty of heel work is, and the value of it is, is at a distance, like you're talking about healing her off lead, letting her kind of quarter and cast in the country. I'm going to hunt my dogs that way. I, they have to do that. I can't control them at a distance if I don't have 100% control by my side. So there's a big step, though, between on lead in heel position and off lead quartering and casting. There's a, that's like Z and A is on lead. There's a lot of steps in between there. So I'm going to read back here. Um, she is very well-mannered, knows her commands well, but when we go on, on walks off leash, she wants to pick up scent and go with it. Uh, so I, my question to you, Eric, is how is she off leash in heel? Because the dog that heals really well on lead is step one. Then we want to eventually get them healing well off lead, which means distractions don't impact the heel work. They heal just as good off lead as they do on lead. That's my goal. <clears throat> this weekend, I didn't bring a leash with me. I had three dogs out in the woods, and I healed them all at times in heel position. I healed one at times. I healed two at times. I didn't even have a leash with me. 
So it's important for you to understand that heel isn't just mean you're walking them on a leash. Heel is the position regardless of the leash or not. <clears throat> so my question is, is how are you there? That would be the next step. That's the link that connects to the on lead work. The off leash work is an extension. Off leash casting and quartering like you're doing here with the dog. And, and now, now your question is, do I need to keep her on lead all times? I hope not. But for now, yeah, until you're able to work through distractions without sacrificing control. So right now, you've got a dog that has a control problem. You've got a dog that heals well, it sounds like, on lead, and a dog that has a control problem off lead. So back up from off lead and start putting the links in between A and Z. So you need B, C, D. I think you got to go to off-leash work, off-leash heal. And you better not try it in spots that are too distracting. So go back to very simple places. When I started with Bella on lead, we started in the simplest spot we could. That was a gravel driveway. Uh, when we, we are healing her off lead, or we are healing her on lead in the grass and in the cover, and she struggles a little bit because it's a little distracting, but I've got her on lead, so we work through it. When we first started on the gravel, it was distracting, but we got her to the point now where she doesn't really pay attention to anything but me. She's in good heel position when she's on lead on the gravel. So from there, I didn't go to let's take her out for a run and hope, you know, through the countryside with lots of distractions and hope she heals off lead. Instead, we took her on lead and I took her off the gravel. Yes, uh, last week we filmed when we were wading through sh shallow water. Uh, I want the dogs to heal through shallow water. So we were wading through puddles that were six, eight inches deep and we had the dog on lead because if I had her off lead, there's no way she would have healed well and she struggled to do it to begin with and then she eventually got a few corrections and then she quit paying attention to the splashing of the water and the idea of playing and she paid attention to me she reverted back to good heel work so we are going to take i want you eric to take progressional steps so from if she's healing really good on the driveway or the sidewalk or the road or whatever, then heal the dog just like I'm doing with Bella in the grass or in the in the in the short short cover on lead until she gets really good at that and doesn't fuss, doesn't doesn't get distracted. In the meantime, we're healing off lead on gravel. Like we've backed up to the gravel and went to a simple spot and we've started transitioning her off lead. And how I did that was I used the adjustable leader and I take the collar and I let her carry the collar and not the leash. Now, if you watch Bella Be Good, you'll see that. So it's a transitional thing. It's a tool that we use to get them from on lead to off lead. And now she's, I've not healed her without a collar on yet at all, without that slip collar on. Eventually we'll take that off, but she's not good enough yet to do that. I take that off, she's gonna know she, I have no control of her. So there is a little trickery there to the idea of she doesn't quite know if she's on lead or not. When she's on lead, she's very good. When she starts to go off lead, she can test a bit and, and start to fade responsiveness. And I got to trick her into it, so I tap her with the lead. I, I let the lead touch her shoulder, and she thinks, oh, he's still got me because she felt something. So there's this idea of building it until it becomes a strong enough habit that you can take the, the training wheels off. These are all just... These tools, the leash, the collar, those are all training wheels. And eventually, when the kid gets good at riding the bike, you start to take the training wheels off and you let them go without it. Well, not right away and not after one day of good riding on 
the bike with training wheels. It's a progressional thing. So we do the same thing with the dogs on heels. So you need to do that. Um, the other thing that screams at me on this one is recall. Uh, you need to be able to recall your dog and tell your dog no to certain things and leave it to certain things and get that dog to respond back to you. So um, if you can't do that in situations that have heavy distractions, yeah, then I would say don't put the dog in the position to fail and work towards those distractions. Don't go from A to Z. Don't go from you're really good in the yard with no distractions in a fenced-in area to we're going to go into a deer farm and expect the dog to recall off of those distractions. Now, I'm not saying that's what you did, but I'm exaggerating. But the, out in the country, there's a lot more distractions. And think about what you've done when you took that dog out for the walk in the country. When you took that dog out for the walk in the country, you took the leash off and probably said, okay, go ahead. Well, that was like 100% freedom to the dog. I, if you watch with Bella, I take the lead on and off all the time in sessions and I don't allow her to free run when she takes the lead off. In fact, I, I want more control when that lead comes off because I want her to understand just because the lead is off doesn't mean it's time for me to disconnect from you, dad, and do my own thing. I don't want to build this independence in these young dogs. And your dog's a year and three months old. It's still a puppy. But it's a puppy that you'll never catch anymore. It's too big. Uh, it's too fast. It's probably too confident. It's probably seen enough things that it doesn't have a fear of leaving you. And so that's part of why you do have to reel the dog back in, um, literally and figuratively. So... I hope that helps you, Eric. Uh, I'm going to send you a message and let you know we talked about this on a podcast, and it's going to be episode number 40. Um, that's it, man. I think we're going to shut it down. Um, let me look real quick here. This one might just go a little bit longer. Is that video going to be all right? I'm going to have Ben adjust the video here. Um, I'm going to find one more question here. There was a guy named Aaron that sent me a message. Let's see if I can find it quick and see if we can tie this one in too. Um, his question is, training question, what do you do or how do you handle it when a dog goes into the hot lap or zoomy routine? I believe people call it that. It only happens once or twice a day, but she, I'm afraid she's going to hurt herself. Dog is only five months old. Lab. Thank you for your input. Love the DVDs and the podcast. So Aaron, you're going to get a message from me. We're going to knock this out too. Now, I did send him a message, but I want to... Um, I want to talk about it because I think it's a, a thing that people run into. We're talking about this heel work, and heel work is a lot of control. And I think what we do is we get these dogs under control, and then all of a sudden we take them off the lead, and we let them just kind of do their own thing. And that just is not the way to do it. It's control from training to the kennel. After the training session is done in heel work, I heel them back to the kennel under control, and I put them up, and I let them absorb what we just worked on. Don't work real hard at heel work. Get a lot of stuff done. Take the lead off and let the dog run hot laps and celebrate the victory because everything you did is gone and it's not going to be retained. Now, I responded back to him. I said, I think the best way to handle it is to avoid it altogether, and that comes with being able to read your dog and anticipate when the ramping up begins. Um, I think that you guys have to become very, this zoomy question, I see it a lot and I hear it a lot and I think people think it's kind of funny when it first happens and then the dog just, they see white, man. They just, they blank out and they just, they tuck their tail a lot of times, <clears throat> they run, they're just, there's no control and, and I want to avoid it 100%. That's the best way to, to get to change that habit. Don't let it ever start. 
when it happens, the easy, if you're on lead, it's really easy to correct because you just give them a little pop to the neck and they go shake out of that. It's when you take them off lead that I see this explosion happen where they go freedom and they free run. This goes back to what I was talking about with Bella. I take the lead on and off and it's an expected behavior. Nothing changes control wise, whether that lead is on or off. And so if I start to see it boiling and you can see it, it's reading your dog, it's your ability to understand your dog. When you see that start to boil up and they look like they're getting that look in their eye where they're just gonna explode and go free run and run laps, control it. So put the lead back on if you want or do something verbally or do something physically to eliminate it and bring them back down. So I see it happen. We've, we've done it with, <clears throat> and we've mentioned it in some of these Bella Be Good series videos. Um, if you're, I mean, this guy's got a five-month-old dog. This is just, the Bella Be Good is just a perfect series for a lot of you. A lot of you that have younger puppies, because we didn't start Bella until she was 15 weeks. So if you got younger ones, go watch Live with Spry. Live with Spry has got a ton of the early stuff, the stuff I would have done prior if I had Bella. Um, the idea with it is always being able to understand when the dog is going, anticipate the dog's next move. And that comes from being able to read their body language. <clears throat> I can see it in my dog's eyes, ears, and shoulders. We saw it this morning. I had Bella on a remote sit and she started to kind of lean in and I went, she's gonna, she wants to break right now. She wants to run in. She wants to do something different. She wants, she's, a, she's getting kind of excited. So what I did was I took two steps, three steps that it took for me to get to her. I got to her and I got a hold of the lead and I calmed her down until you start to see her kind of refocus and start to see straight again and then reset, heal, heal her off, move, you know, reset the, whatever it is you're doing, whether it's remote sit or whatever it is. But I think you have to see it coming and get the dog under control prior to it hitting that zone of loss of control. Um, it's just by, by five months old, you've, if you've seen it happen, now you said it happens once or twice a day. At five months old, you've had the dog for three months. Three months is 90 days. Once or twice a day is 180, 90 to 180 times. If you don't see it coming by now, you're going to be in trouble. I bet you you know when it's coming. And so when you know something is coming, it's to your advantage. You you can catch it and change it before it gets there. And I think that's with this idea of dogs kind of hot lapping and, and running around. It's also, you know, you, there's certain things that sometimes will trigger it too. Well, guess what? Just avoid those. Or, or approach, know that certain things trigger it. So before you get to that point of triggering it, take control of the situation. Slip a lead on the dog. Then expose it to it. And when it goes to melt down, correct it and shake it out of it. That to me is the way you get, that's the way you change habits. If you let it go 90 to 180 times in a row and, and, and then you go, oh boy, I'd like to change that habit. You've got a long road in front of you. Can you do it? For sure. But it needs to be consistent 100% moving forward. So that, that applies to lots of stuff, not just this. Um, it's any habit. But uh, the, the takeaway from that one is figuring out how to read your dog and, and anticipate its next thing based on historical uh, tendencies. And if they're not desirable, change, start changing it.
don't let it don't let it grow don't let it fester don't let it continue to to re be reinforced every time it does it it's another it's just strengthening the habit so good questions today um i hope these help you i hope some of these help you guys with some of the issues that you're having um that's episode 40 thank you guys so much for um listening for following for subscribing if you do us the favor of leaving us reviews that is always greatly appreciated um if you're not following us on instagram facebook and youtube i recommend it it's at dogbone hunter for all of it um we truly appreciate your support and your following with those things. Uh, quite honestly, the you know some of these some of these podcasts, some of these podcasts that I think are pretty valuable, they're completely driven by our social. So if you're on social media and you want to ask some questions there, it's a really good way. Um, I do appreciate your patience. As I said, we are a small small company um, and we're overwhelmed this time of year especially. So I will get back with you. It's just uh, it just sometimes takes me a little bit longer. Um, but thank you again so much for your support. Uh, dig into that Bella Be Good series. I'm really excited about it. We're partnered up with Gundog Magazine on it. Um, we've got some things that we're working out with Illinois Whitetail and Waterfall. That's who actually owns Bella. Um, they're down in, in southern Illinois. Um, we're going to be doing some stuff with them in that series. Um, Blue Cypress Kennels, uh, they're the ones who we got Bella from pretty excited about that and we're we're I'm, I'm enjoying the communication back and forth with them um on on certain dogs from genetic standpoints so um thank you guys for following along continue to and let us know uh let us know how we're doing if you would um the reviews and all that stuff sending us messages is always um really appreciated on our end um and it helps us i think make it better so thank you guys for listening we'll talk with you again soon mm -hmm.